make your way back to your seats. That would be amazing. Um, if you want to check uh, announcements, please uh, go ahead and go to our website. Or if you need to, sign up for our weekly email. You can fill that out on the card and drop it in the box. Um, I'm going to go ahead and get started so as to not lose what God's been doing here this morning. So welcome. My name is Jonathan, and i um, one of the pastors here and get to, get to preach on a frequent basis. But before we get started, I'd love just to invite you just to kind of take your seat and maybe just close your eyes for a moment. And I want to pray for us. And I, I feel like so many times what happens is when God does something, we don't stop and recognize the moment. So I want to do that this morning. If you just close your eyes and maybe even on your, on your knees, just open your hands. Just put your hands on your knees and open your hands. And I just want to say thank you to God and also that we're open for what he's doing in this room this morning. And so God, we just recognize this morning wasn't about talented singers or awesome music, it was about your presence in this room. And Lord, we want to be the people who recognize you when you move, when you work, when you show up. We want to be Moses who stops and pays attention when the bush is burning. God, we don't want to be the ones who are distracted, who are busy and upset with many things, and so they miss your presence. So this morning, we just say thank you, and for those of us, God, who entered this room struggling, I pray that your presence was like, like balm, like oil on the head, and that we would know that it's in these places with um, these groups of people, God, that our healing shows up. It's in your presence. So Lord, as we move forward, as we read your word, as we re-engage our hearts in worship through listening to you, I pray that your Holy Spirit would hover in this room, just like he did in the days of creation. As he hovered over the surface of the earth, he would hover over us, and he would begin to minister to our hearts, to comfort, to teach, to guide, to convict, to illuminate. So Holy Spirit, we just give you permission for these remaining moments of this time together to have your way with us, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Isn't it good to be in the house of God with the people of God and to welcome the presence of God together? There's, there's something about it that I, I believe in this generation, in this time on the earth, our hearts are so hungry for the presence of God. They're so hungry for the presence of God. Um, so we're going to talk about that this morning in the context of prayer. So if you have your Bible, open up to Matthew 6. Matthew 6, it's verse, let's see here, what is that, verse 5, Matthew 6, verse 5, we're going to go through this text where Jesus does the Lord's Prayer, and we're going to do it a little bit differently because I feel like the Lord's speaking to me about how we should process this, but I'm going to read it. Jesus says, and when you pray... You must not be like the hypocrites. Greg talked about that last week, about the people who show one face to one person, show another face to another person, the people who, who play at religion, who fake, who act. Don't be like them, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. 
Truly, I say to you, they have received the reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. This is such a key point for us as we process. Most of us grew up in church and learned that the people who should pray out loud in public are the people who can use many words and use eloquent words and sound really smart in front of God. And Jesus just comes and says, that's actually the opposite of what prayer looks like for him. Don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. You can ask him really simply because he already knows, but he wants you to ask. Isn't that interesting? It's not that he, he already knows, so don't ask, don't come, don't request. It's like, no, no, no. Just don't feel like you have to beg, right? You don't beg with your father. You just ask in faith, knowing he loves you. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts or trespasses or sins, however you learn to pray it. And as we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither Will your father forgive your trespasses, nor does it seem will he answer your prayers? So in all that, that's not actually what we're going to talk about, which is, which is fun. Uh, but uh, can I just point out really quick, Jesus says, when you give, when you pray, next week it will be when you fast. These are, are not optional things for Christians depending on where you want to land on the spectrum from average Christian to super Christian. There's no such thing in Jesus' world. He says, when you give, if you follow me, you get transformed and you become a giver. When you follow me, you get transformed and you become a prayer. When you follow me, you get transformed and you engage in this practice called fasting where you create space and hunger in the physical realm that translates into space and hunger in the spiritual realm for God, for who he is, for his work on the earth. But it's just assumed that these are things that we do. And I think you could actually say where you find Christianity growing and powerful, you will find these core practices present and abundant. If you follow the church all across the world where revival is happening, you'll find generosity, prayer, and fasting in abounding measure. Um, where you don't find that, you get Christianity as religion, as rules, as trying to please a God in heaven who seems to have a bunch of stuff for us to do, but it's not about that. Jesus assumed we're going to do these things, but he really wanted us to do them in the right way, with the right spirit, not to earn God's love, but to experience his love. Isn't that interesting? It's, it's really about the, the posture of our hearts. We're not trying to earn anything from God, but we are trying to experience everything that God has available to us. And he gives us these practices to understand who he is. And so it's interesting because most of the times when we talk about prayer, what do we seek? We seek a system. We're like, oh, if I could just get a system, right? We're all looking for like the killer app. And there's literally apps now to help you pray. And yet, it's so hard to pray consistently, 
powerfully over time. Isn't it? It's just fascinating to me how much we just want A plus B equals C. If you pull these levers, if you say these words, if you do it in this order, we have all the acrostics, right? It's like, uh, what, what are some, Greg? What did you learn? What did Pray, repent, ask, yield. Pray, right? Well, there, was there another one? Was it ask? Ask? Acts. That's it. Acts. That's the one I learned in college. I don't remember it, so obviously it didn't work. <laughs> no, I think it's adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. So, okay, it worked a little bit. Um, it works for memory. Um, but I think we're so interested in the system, because we want to get it right, and I think that's not a bad thing that we want to get it right, but the problem is, is we get all the steps and it doesn't change, right? Paul says in Romans 7, the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I keep on doing what's happening. And so this morning, rather than focusing on the steps, I want to focus on what I would call like the ingredients, and the ingredients are like the core of something that if you get the ingredients right, the, the thing actually becomes what you actually desire, right? And uh, I don't know if you've ever had cookies where you forgot the vanilla. Has anybody ever done that? It's like the tiniest little bit of liquid. And if you forget it, you're like, you're like instantly. You're like, nope, that's not a cookie. Like, it's just not, it's not right. Something's wrong. It's not good. It's the craziest thing. And you're just going like, that little, and it's like these ingredients that seem really small at the beginning really turn into big things. And so the stuff I'm, I'm a, I want to share with you this morning is, is things that I really believe and I've found in the last year and a half that if you don't get these things deep, 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 deep down inside of you, your prayer life will always just be like this. <sighs> seasons of inspiration, seasons of death. And I know life can be that. But it, and I'm not saying if you get these, your life will be up and to the right forever. No, no, no. Like, that's not what it is. But it will be like, um, it's interesting, like, if you've climbed a mountain, you do what, like, switchbacks? So it feels like you're not going anywhere, but you are, right? You're just going like, man, it feels so slow. It feels like we're going the direction we came. Then you get to, like, a vista halfway up the mountain. You're like, whoa, look how far we've come. And then you look and you're like, oh my goodness, look how far we have to go. Okay, so let's keep going. Like nobody climbs a mountain just straight up. You'll, you'll, you'll be done so quickly. But this morning I, I want to talk about what does it look like for us to become the kind of people who actually want to pray. Who want to pray. Like that just say, oh man, the desire of my heart is just to know God and prayer is the word this container that like, we, we speak to describe what relationship with God is like, right? And it's interesting because there's all such things like prayer is conversation, prayer is listening, prayer is worship, you know, prayer is silence. It's, it's all these things. So it's not just one thing, but prayer is how we would describe having a real relationship with God and so uh, the, the things that I was, I was thinking about is, is I don't think we can really get prayer until we get God's desire for us. Like if you don't get that deep, 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 deep down, or as Lance would say, in your knower, I love that word, in your knower, whatever that is for you, heart, spirit, we all use different words, but it's the place where you know at the deepest level, like the fundamental elements of your life. 
And here's what I think. I think the start of prayer is understanding first God's desire for you. How he loves you. And, and, and not just loves you, but it, it goes beyond because there's people that you love that you're commanded to love, but you don't want to be around them, right? You ever had that? Where you're like, I love you. I just don't want to see you right now. Like, I just don't, I just, it's hard. And you're just like, oh, and, and, and no, no, like God doesn't love you. He likes you as well. He wants to be with you. He wants to know you. He wants to sit and just be around you. Uh, uh, it was like two years ago, uh, Lance Humphrey shared his favorite worship song. Do you remember this, Lance? Do you remember? I, hopefully you remember the song if it's your favorite. But it was like, he was like, this is my favorite worship song. And I'm like running through the catalog and I'm like, what's it going to be? Is it Hillsong? Is it like old school? Is it going to be like Keith Green? What was it? Fish. Fish. And it's a song called, what's the title? I, I, I think that's, it's a, <laughs> Waste my time. And literally the song is, is just describing, I want to waste my time with you. And it's just this phrase. And I mean, I listen to it in my office all the time. I just click it on and I hear God saying to me, you know what? I don't want you to do anything for me. I don't need your help. I don't need your money. I don't need your talent. I don't need any. I just want to be with you because I love you. And whatever it is we get up to in this life is great, but actually you're the treasure. You're the treasure, not what you'll do with your life, not the impact, not the goals, all that stuff, just you. I just want to be with you. And God's desire for us is expressed in Jesus. So if you want to become a praying person, you have to get God's deep desire for you, and the way you see it is Jesus. For God so loved the world. He so loved you that he gave his only son, not just gave him in abstract, he gave him in the incarnation. He sent him into the world to become flesh and blood that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And not just have eternal life, but to be with him. So God's desire for you is the beginning. Then Jesus' desire for you expressed in his life, death, and resurrection. Jesus loves you. And I love in John 17, listen to what he says. He says, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am. His heart cry is just to be with you. And it's so deep that he's prepared a place for you for eternity. He said there's actually a room just for you. It's like, my, my father's got many rooms, and guess what? There's one with your name on it. Revelation goes on to say, hey, when you get to this place, the new heavens and the new earth, every single person who's, who's there will get a, a, a white rock with a name on it that's just a name that he shared with you. He actually has a pet name for you. He's got a special name that nobody else knows that's just for you because he knows you. Like, this is Jesus, his desire and listen to this, that not that you, you would just be with him, but that they may behold my glory which you have given to me. For you loved me, listen to this, before the foundation of the world. So God loved the Son. And Jesus in his life is like, you know what I want beyond anything else is for them to know the Father's love. I want them to know how much he loved me, and I want them to actually be in that love. He's like, as the Father's in me, so I want to be in you. Like, I want us to share this intimate relationship. 
But I just love that he said, my desire, my desire is that they may be with me. And then the Holy Spirit's desire for us expressed in his dwelling in us and pouring his love out over us and his desires for us to know the love of Jesus. I love as someone put it, he says, the Holy Spirit is constantly highlighting Jesus and Jesus' great joy is to pour out his spirit on us. And those two things just go over and over and over again. The Holy Spirit inspires us to worship and Jesus, as he gets worship, he goes, oh, those are the ones who want it. And he just pours his spirit out and the spirit rises up more praise in us and we love him more, we desire him more, we want to be with him more. Mark 13, I love Jesus. When he calls the disciples, he went up on the mountain, called those to himself he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed the 12 so that what? That they might be with him. It's interesting. Before he even gave them anything else, he's like, my first desire is just that you would be with me. And he sends them out. It's the divine order of the kingdom is actually that you would be with him first and then go out into the world. That you're going out from the place of intimacy and love and peace. And I'll just tell you, like, one of the worst things you can do is go out to work for God before you've gotten this right. If you're not going out into the world for God from the place of intimacy and abiding and understanding um, uh, that you're his beloved, you will try to work for God and therefore you will try to get other people to do the work that you think God wants them to do and you will crush people around you. Our first call is to be with him and to drink in his love. And I love the statement as one author says, he says, actually, we have nothing of lasting value to give people outside of intimacy with God. Like, you just need to make that a truth in your life. You, you actually have nothing to give people without the intimacy of God. You know why we know this? John 15, Billy's tried to tell you, apart from me, you can do nothing. Some things, good things, average things. You know, he's like, no, 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 nothing. Everything you do apart from me, when you're, you're not connected, you're the branch, I'm the vine, whenever you disconnect, you, you actually have no life in and of yourself. And I just want to say, Jesus in this room and this generation wants to break off the false religion of self-help. That you can heal yourself, help yourself, or help anybody else apart from Jesus. It's just not true. It doesn't work. And we see the fruit of it in the world. Everyone reads the book. It sounds good. And next thing you know, they're, they're back where they were. So what do you have to do? You've got to read another book. You've got to find another site. You've got to download another app. You've got to get another job. You've got to find another, another thing to do because it's just leaking out. Jesus is the only healing that lasts. He's the only one who can do these things for us. It's not Jesus plus this equals life. It's Jesus plus nothing. It's him. If you have him, you have everything. If you don't have him, you're bankrupt. As I was praying about this, it just struck me that, um, that prayer is this description of what is prayer? What is prayer? I was like, Lord, what is prayer? And I just got this picture of God treasuring us the way you treasure a newborn child. The first time you see that child, you hold it and you just, what do you do? You just stare at it. Isn't that the interesting thing? It's like the first time there's like not really any words. And typically you have like some response of smiling, laughter, weeping. And, it's, and sometimes it just goes in waves of all of those things together. And you just, 
And I remember when, when Lena was born, like, I, I, had, uh, I had people tell me, it's like, well, you're a guy, so you're probably not going to connect until they're like a toddler. I was like, what? What? I, it's like when she was born, I just I was like, oh, my gosh, something's changing inside of me, right? And I mean, it was like literally, like, I mean, it was just like if you could have seen in like the movie version of my heart, like bells are going off and things are just like the Grinch, his heart grew, you know, three sizes that day. I was just like, and I just wanted to stare at her. I was like, Jesus, like that's how God sees us. Like you're his child and he just treasures you. And then it was like, as he reveals himself to us, we do the same back to him. We treasure him. And I was just like, I was like, Lord, oh, that's prayer. It's mutual treasuring. <laughs> He's treasuring you. And as you learn and understand and come to know how he treasures you, you open up and you just begin to treasure him above all things. He's the, he's the treasure in the field. He's the pearl of great price, right? He's the thing. He's the one. It's just mutual treasuring. And, and this is what I'll say. It's interesting because it, it, the Bible describes lots of like metaphors around marriage. And right, if, if you want to see a marriage that lasts, it will just simply be two people who say, being with you is better than doing anything else. And being apart from you, I would lose something that I could not gain in any other way. And so through thick and thin, through richer or poor, in sickness and health, like my thing is I just want to be with you. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. We will be together. And that is the win. That's prayer. Prayer is saying the win is simply being with him, with God. It sparked my encounter. When you encounter the living God, when you encounter Jesus, when you encounter the Holy Spirit, everything changes. Jesus meets a woman at the well, and he says this, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Isn't that fascinating that, that he shows up and he doesn't say the, the Father is seeking people who can follow the rules. The Father's seeking people who can just get their house in order. The Father's seeking people who can stay sexually pure. The Father's seeking people who know all the right answers to all the right doctrinal questions. He says, no, no, no. The Father is seeking people who will treasure him. That's it. And if they will treasure him, he will pour out his spirit on their life and they will be transformed with, with such little effort in some ways that it's astonishing. Things that took years in the world of trying harder can take seconds when you treasure God and he pours out his spirit in your life. But I love that. God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And I think in some ways many of us have been inheritors of a faith that only includes truth. We've been taught the Bible, we learn the Bible, we know the truth, we know the right doctrines. You could describe the atonement, but you can't describe the face of Jesus. What does he look like? Right? What does he look like? Have you seen him? Do you know his face? Jesus, that's right. Amen. Amen. shared in staff the other day, I said, my, my hope for this church is that our children will come to know what the presence of God is like, so that they will walk through their life and go, ooh, something's happening. I know, I know what this feels like. 
That's God. This is a holy moment. This is him, and they don't attribute things to other things, to coincidences. Right? They're like, no, 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 this is God. I know him. I know what he looks like. I know what happens when God pours his spirit out on a human being because they fall on their face and they worship and they laugh and they cry and they dance and they sing. That's what happens when God shows up, right? So I think about the house of prayer, right, that, that David builds and that when you discover that God wants you more than you could even hope or imagine, something inside of you cracks open, right? When you just get that view that God wants me, he wants me. And he pours himself into that place that cracks open and you pour yourself back onto him in love and he pours himself back onto you and it is the dance, right? The Trinity. Um, I'm going to invite the band to come back up uh, and I'm just going to close with a thought. Because what I want to do this morning, and, and we've already done it, but I want to do it at the end because I just think like... Um, God's doing something in this generation surrounding his presence, like, like the church stepping out of lukewarmness and returning to a first love. Where when you would say, what is a Christian? They wouldn't say any of the things that we actually do. They would say, oh, Christians are the ones who love that man named Jesus. That's what a Christian is. They're lovers of the one, Right? of the man, the risen Jesus. That's, that's all. And yeah, they do all this other stuff, but it's all based on love for him. And I read a story this morning. There's this book that changed my life in college, and I drifted from it, but I've returned to it. Thank God. It was a, a book called God Chasers. Who's read the book called God Chasers? Okay. A few late 90s charismatics raised their hand. Love you guys. I'm in on you. God chasers, he describes a story where he was, he was preaching and the power of God poured out and it split the pulpit in two and knocked him back on his back. And you're just like, okay, so something's happening here. Uh, but he tells a story, right, of Naomi, right? Most of us learn this story, Naomi and Ruth um, and about their journey to Moab. But I want to read the text and I want to make a point that I think will lead us into our our conclusion here. But it says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife Naomi, and the name of his two sons Malan and Chilion. Um, and they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. And they took them, wives of the women of Moab. The name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth, and they dwelled there about 10 years. And Mahalan and uh, Chilion died, also both of them, and the women was left of her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. Listen, for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. So a woman living in famine heard a rumor that there was bread in Israel again. And it's fascinating because the, the, the town of Bethlehem literally means the house of bread. And, and I just want to catch the metaphor here that inside the temple was a piece of bread that they called the show bread and it was the bread of presence. Represented God's presence with them throughout the wilderness as God showed up in the manna day by day, his daily presence, his daily, what? Bread. Give us, O oh Lord, 
our daily bread. Isn't that fascinating? It's, it's, it's usually don't read it that way. Give us, O oh Lord, every day your presence because we live on every word that comes out of your mouth. Your voice is our food, the bread of presence. And here's what I think God is doing in these days. I think so many people have left the church because the bread is gone bread of the presence, the manifest presence of God is what set Israel apart from the world and what sets the church apart from all religion. And here's what I think. I think as you begin to treasure God and he treasures you and you walk into a life of presence, there will be a rumor in our city that there's bread in the house again. You know what happens when bread returns? The prodigals come home. They're hungry and yet in the house where they're supposed to be bread, they show up and they get rules and they get clean up. They get, get your life in order. What they don't get is the presence of God, which heals. And guess what? It won't come until each one of us treasures his presence. Revival in your heart. Bread. But what I'm committed to for the rest of my life is to see the bread return to the house. That's it. And what I want is I want sinners from all corners of this city coming here because they're hungry and they're saying, this is the place that I can come and be safe and have a meal and I can feed, be transformed. So I want you to stand to your feet. And I want you to just close your eyes and I, I, just, I just want you to for a moment, I want to invite the Holy Spirit in this moment to come and invade your life with his presence. That this morning you might get a picture of the face of God that would last a lifetime. You might renew your vows to Jesus just says, I just want to be with you where you are. I want to be with you. That the Lord would do something in this house that we would let go of other things so that we could steward the presence of Jesus. We could be inhabited by his manifest presence. That this place would be a place where people come because they've heard rumors that the bread has returned to the house, and that that's a place, and those are a people, when you get around them, things change. So we just wanna spend some time today, rather than practicing the steps of prayer, we want to enter into the presence of Jesus. And here's what I know, he is here. The Holy Spirit is in you, and he is in this room, and he wants to meet you this morning, maybe for the first time ever. And some of us have been resisting, and some of us have been scared, and some of us have been living in sin, and this morning he wants to baptize you fresh with his presence, and he wants to pour out his power over your life for his glory. So Jesus, we welcome you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We say in these moments, have your way with us. We just surrender 
We let go of our religion. We let go of our pride. We let go of the way that we've always interpreted the Bible that says that those things are old ways. And we open ourselves to you this morning. So this morning, we ask for healing, Lord. We ask for reconciliation. We ask for restoration. We ask for resurrection, Jesus, for your power in this place. As we sing, we're going to sing, and you say that you inhabit the praises of your people. So come and dwell in this room with us, and we pray in Jesus' name. So I just pray that you would lift up your hearts as we sing. He wants you. He wants to meet you. If you want to like, just make a move, the altars are open. Grab somebody to say, pray for me. I want that. I don't know what it means, but my heart's on fire. So Trent, will you just lead us in worship? How great the cat.